have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 11, if you are using a pew Bible, it's page 129, page 129 in the pew Bible. Um, one of the things um, that we are committed to at Signal Mountain Bible Church, if you're new here or if you've only um, visited a couple of times, one of the things that we're committed to is going verse by verse through the Bible. And uh, we believe that this is the way that uh, God intended uh, for His Word, the, the regular proclamation of His Word to, to be done. There are times when we will take breaks uh, from the various book studies that we have and cover certain topics when we see fit. But the, the steady thing of what we do most is, is to go verse by verse through the Bible. And one of the, one of the great things about that is that we... We, we don't duck passages, we don't dodge passages, and we also um, come across things in the text uh, that for some of you may be a little strange or something that you've never thought of before. Um, this morning, the passage that's before us um, is, is prophetic. Um, uh, I, uh, John Renegar had sent me an email this week that uh, said there was a church sign where it said... Uh, uh, prophecy seminar canceled due to unforeseen circumstances, uh, which I thought was great, John. So thank you for that. Um, um, but when we're talking about prophecy this morning, we're talking about Paul, an apostle, uh, helping us, uh, giving us a prophecy about something that's going to happen in the future. And you may be asking this morning, well, well, why do I need to know that? And don't turn with me here, but I just want to read. Uh, for you, and in the beginning of the book of Revelation, um, John writes this: the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, which God gave to show to His bondservants the things which must shortly take place, and He sent and communicated it by His angel to His bondservant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. Listen to this. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear these words, or the words of this prophecy, and heed all the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And so, as we are preaching through the book of Romans, and as we come to this section in the book of Romans, it's important that we see, it's important that we hear, it's important that we understand. And what I hope, what I hope that you gain. Um, by the end of today, I, I pray that you will be emboldened, emboldened uh, as a believer, that you'll be emboldened uh, as a witness, that you'll be emboldened in your call of the Great Commission to go and to make disciples, to teach, to baptize, to, to teach all the things that we've been commanded. I pray that that's one of the things that you'll see. I, I also hope the other thing that you'll see, and this is what we'll end with, is that as we look at God's plan for the future, one of the things that Paul wants you and I to understand this morning is that if you are a believer, that he wants us to understand and to feel the, the greatness of the mercy which, you have been, uh, which has been bestowed upon you. And so, um, hopefully by the end of this morning, that both of those things will be um, in focus. Now... We are we're jumping we're jumping back into Romans eleven this morning and and uh, for for this to make sense 
you know, you will have needed to have read what we looked at last week. And so I'm going to spend just a little bit of time explaining uh, last week's message and the metaphor. And if the guys in the back, if you can go ahead and put up, hopefully it's the real, it's the real picture. They joke with me about what they're really going to put up when I say that. Um, but this is an olive tree. If I point this way, there's, there's one there as well. Um, uh, but this is an olive tree. And Paul, um, here in the book of Romans, um, is using this metaphor of the olive tree um, to talk about um, what is going on in salvation history. And I'm going to briefly go back through and tell you the parts of the metaphor that Paul is using. Uh, and so if there is some confusion here, you can go online and listen to the sermon last week where, where I covered it more uh, specifically, or you can ask me questions later. But the first thing that we see is that the tree itself, or, or if, if you want to imagine it the way I imagine it, the, the trunk of the tree itself is, is the true church. Uh, an, another word to use other than the, the, the true church is the family of God. Um, or, as we've been studying the book of Romans, true Israel. All those who are saved, um, the church, th- this trunk is the, the church. Another part of this metaphor um, is the roots. And we, don't, we can see the beginning of the roots in this tree, or we can see the, the portion that is out of the ground, but we all know that with trees that roots go deep. And what we talked about last week was that it's, it's obvious from the context, especially verse 28, is that the roots are the patriarchs or the fathers. And, and what this means is that the, the thing that is holding this, true, this tree down, the church down, are the patriarchs and the fathers. And, and if we remember that God set aside Abraham, and He called Abraham, and He said to Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations. And, and, and through the patriarchs, through the lineage of Israel, um, the prophecy of the Messiah, and ultimately the fulfillment of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, came from that. And so the roots, the roots of this church um, are the patriarchs. Thirdly, um, the, the other part of this metaphor, and this is where we jump right back in today, uh, as we see the branches to this tree, the branches are people groups. And, and although there are many branches, Paul is speaking of two types of branches in this section of Romans. One type of branch is a Jewish branch. Uh, Jewish people. Another type of branch is the Gentile branch. And if you are new to studying or reading the Bible, what you learn is that there are really just two types of people, the Jew and the Gentile. And so as we're looking at this tree, the trunk being the family of God, and and part of that, the the family of God being played out in the branches, we see that in the family of God we have Jewish people and we have Gentiles. Gentile people, and last week Paul was really hammering, really hammering Gentile believers and telling them why they cannot be prideful. And he used this metaphor to to talk about three big reasons uh, against pride. Now Paul is continuing this theme um, this week, and and the the answer to the problem, or the 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 fourth, if we were to say it that way, reason why Gentiles cannot be prideful that that they have been grafted in and Israel has fallen away, that the, the fourth reason why Paul would give these Gentile believers to not be prideful is that he, what he states, and we will read here in a moment, is that God is going to regraft in ethnic Israel and all Israel will be saved, and so you Gentile believers don't be prideful. 
So, so there is a future for ethnic Israel. So as we jump into verses 23 and 24, we see a continuation of this metaphor. So let's read this together. And they also, the, Jew, the Jewish branches, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more shall these who are the natural branches be grafted in to their own olive tree? And the first thing that I want you to notice in this section, in these verses, is that there is a condition, this is very important, because this is ignored by some folks, but there is a condition for ethnic Israel to be grafted back into this tree. Do you see the condition? The condition is, if they don't continue in their unbelief. Another way of saying this, to state this is the negative, if they don't continue in their unbelief, a way to state this positively would be this. If they have faith in Jesus as their Messiah, they will be grafted back into this tree. Now, right off the bat, we, we hit some controversy, and I want you to be sure that you understand what is going on here and what's not going on here. These verses, these verses do not do not favor a theology in which uh, you could come to the conclusion that people can lose their salvation and then regain their salvation. Okay, Sometimes this is used in that vein, and I don't think um, with these verses that that's a very good place for people to go if they have that theology. Um, What Paul is talking about, and it's clear from the context if you have been with us and if you've been reading with us, is that Paul isn't talking about individual people here. He's talking about groups of people, ethnic Israel and Gentiles. And so what he's talking about is this salvation history where Gentiles have been lopped off because of unbelief. Jews have been lopped off because of unbelief. Gentiles have been brought in. And then the group of people, ethnic Israel, will be brought in back in. And the point is that God is not done with ethnic Israel. And we saw this in verse 11 of this same chapter. I say then, they, Israel, did not stumble as to fall, did they? And Paul says, may it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now, this, this idea... This idea is, is, is reinforced by the next verse, verse 24. Notice, notice this verse. And there's a lot of, this, this verse is very wordy, and so I want to try to help unpack it for you. Uh, and it's pretty simple. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree. So he's, again, he's addressing the Gentiles. For if you Gentiles were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted, notice the wording, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more shall these Israelites, who are the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So notice the language. So he's saying, you Gentiles, you wild Gentiles, who are from another tree, if you, if God was able and willing to cut you off from that wild tree that wasn't the church and was willing and able to graft you into the true church, 
you who were aliens, you who were far off. Earlier in Romans it says, in chapter 9 it says, you who were not my people were made my people, talking about the Gentiles. If God was willing and able to do this to you, how much more will God be willing and able to graft back into the church the natural branches, ethnic Israel? Do you understand the picture of what Paul is laying out for us? Now, this isn't the first time uh, that Paul addresses uh, ethnic Israel and, um, and the benefits that they would have. Um, let's just real quickly, I will go there. You don't have to turn there. In chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, When then, what advantage has the Jew, or what is the benefit of circumcision to ethnic Israel? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will nullify the faithful, their no, will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true. Again, there, again, we see the advantage of being an ethnic Jew. Um, uh, and we see here, if they believe, how much, the, how much more? In chapter 9, in chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, we have Paul again talking about ethnic uh, Israel, ethnic Jews. He says, For I wish that I myself were a curse, separated from Christ, for the sake of my brethren, who are the kinsmen according to the flesh, who are the Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the temple service, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and from whom is Christ, according to the flesh, who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. So, what Paul is telling us and has told us throughout this book is this, there is a history for ethnic Israel and that God is going to bring them back into the fold because salvation ultimately belongs to them. We as Gentiles are the foreigners. So God can and will regraft them into the tree. What advantages does ethnic Israel have without Christ? None. But with Christ, with Christ, they are the people of God, the church of God. So, let's move forward. Uh, I wanted to set the stage. Paul is setting the stage with these verses. And then, uh, in, in these next uh, three verses, we jump right into uh, uh, controversy. And uh, some of this controversy may go over your head, and that is very okay. But let's jump right in, in verse 25. Paul says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in, and thus all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And so the first thing we have to do is define what Paul means by mystery. What Paul means by mystery. What Paul means by mystery is not um, uh, riding around in a van trying to solve something. That's not what Paul means by mystery. Mystery is used, it's, it's a word that's used in the time, and it's a word that's used by Paul 
And when he uses the word mystery, what he's talking about is there's a secret element of God's plan that he's getting ready to reveal to us. And so when Paul uses that word, that's what he's doing. And we see it happen here. And so Paul's saying, I don't want you to be uh, ignorant of this mystery. And notice why he doesn't want the Gentiles to be ignorant of this. He says, unless you be wise in your own estimation. Or another way of saying this is, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery because if you're, if you're ignorant of this mystery, you may become prideful. So again, he has not gone off this um, idea of, of the pride of the Gentile believers. And there's no room for pride here, because what he's saying is that um, God is not done with ethnic Israel. Now, there's three elements to the mystery. And I'm going to explain these three elements. So notice the flow of the text. This is salvation history. We've talked about this, but but we are going to focus in on it here. So notice the first element of this mystery is that Paul says there is a partial hardening. Secondly, until the fullness of Gentiles come in. And thirdly, then all Israel will be saved. So the first thing that we see is that there is a partial hardening. And we've seen this in Romans chapters 9 to 11, that there is a hardening of Israel. And, but we've also th- seen all throughout Romans chapters 9 through 11 that this, this hardening isn't to everyone. That there was a, what's the word? It's the R word. God has always spared a, a remnant. There's always been a remnant. So it hasn't been a complete hardening. And now, not only do we see that this, this, this hardening was, was partial, but now we also see that this hardening is temporary. Notice the word until. That there is a hardness until. Until what? The second part of this plan. Until the fullness of Gentiles come in. Now what is, is mind-blowing, and I love, to, uh, I love to book in this, is that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, where God is making His covenant with Abraham, God says to Abraham, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those. uh, I will curse those who curses you. And notice this: and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we see that God, in establishing His covenant here with Abram, He is saying that through you. Just the Jewish, just the ethnic tribe, just that people group will be blessed? No, he says all the families will be blessed. Notice again in in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, I love these bookends. In, In chapter 7 of the book of Revelation it says this, After these things I looked and behold, this is the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands, and and they were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That we have the bookends here, the promise to Abraham, and the fulfillment of this promise in the book of Revelation. And so, how this comes into play here is that when Paul is talking about that there is a hardening until the full number of Gentiles comes in, I believe that this is this picture. That God has this plan. 
God has this number, this, this, this from every tongue, tribe, and nation, people group up from Gentiles that He is bringing in, and this is part of His salvation plan. And when that is accomplished, when God is getting glory from all nations, from all peoples, from every tongue, tribe, and nation of the Gentiles, when that is completed, then the last part of this plan will come, and that is when the full number of Gentiles comes in, all Israel will be saved. Now, this is where we get real deep into some controversy. (laughs) So what I want to do is point out three things that I think is pretty clear from the context of what this does not mean, and then end with what it does mean, and then talk about its implications for us. Because you may be sitting here this morning and your brain's spinning a little bit, or you're thinking about your fantasy football later this afternoon, or you starting the right person or not. And so I just want you, to, I want you to bear with me that there are implications for us, and I think the implications are massive, but I want to talk about what this does not mean and then come to what it does mean. So the three things it does not mean. Paul is not, when he's talking about all Israel being saved, Paul is not talking about spiritual Israel. Some commentators have taken this and said, well, of course all Israel will be saved. There is a spiritual Israel, which is true. Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. And when all those people come to saving faith, that's all Israel being saved. It is very clear from the context here that Paul is talking about ethnic groups of people. He is not talking about spiritual Israel here. The second misconception, the second thing that this is not, is that Paul is not saying that every Jew who has ever lived will be saved. Again, it is very clear from the context that uh, Paul is talking about a specific group at a specific uh, time. And even in Revelation chapter 7, we also see this specific group laid out uh, more clearly. Uh, other than this, Paul is also, remember if you've been with us, Paul is grieved in Romans chapter 9 and in Romans chapter 10. And why is Paul grieved? Paul is grieved because his kinsmen, the Israelites, are perishing. And why in the world would Paul be upset if just three chapters later or just a little bit further on in his letter, Paul's going to say, hey, they're all going to be saved anyway. So what's clear from the context is not every Jew that's ever lived will be saved. The last thing that we see uh, that it's not is, is so at a specific time that every Jewish person, every ethnic Jew at that particular time, that every one of them will be saved. Many times, and I'm not going to go all the way through that, but when the Bible speaks of every, it will, it will say something like this. Every man went out to battle in the Old Testament. What we see from reading is that it means that a majority or most of the men went out to battle, not every single man, because then we will read where there were some men that uh, stayed behind. And so what we know, and what I believe that these verses are referring to, is that there will be a time in the future where there will be a mass revival, where there will be a mass group of ethnic Jews who the, the, the shackles will be taken off of their eyes, they will see Jesus for who He is, and they will accept Him as their Savior, and we 
and it will be known that the hardening has been taken off of them and the word of God is, is going forward and he is saving his people. Now, um, and so that's what I believe what is going on here. That's what I believe will happen in the future is a mass revival among ethnic Jews. Now, when this is going to happen is also debated. And we're not going to jump all into that debate, although some of you would love to do that. Um, the, the, the two options that most commentators look at is that, is this going to happen at the second coming of Christ, so that Christ comes back in a second coming, and the Jewish people see Jesus for who He is, and they turn to Him, and they have their Bible verses for that. And there's another group of people that we, that, that we would all get along with that would say, no, 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 that's not what's happening here. There's just going to be a massive um, turning to Christ. We won't get all into that for the sake of time this morning, but uh, if you want to get into that, I can point you into some resources uh, that would take that uh, seriously and point you into that direction. But one of the things that I wanted to just take a little bit more time and just lay out is when we see this, what we see very clearly, and this is so important to us, it's going to be important to us, is that there is no two-track of salvation uh, in God's plan. So, Gentiles are not saved one way by faith in Jesus, and Jews saved another way. It's clear throughout our text, um, it, the condition in verse 23, if they, if they don't continue in their unbelief, they will be saved. Uh, Romans 1 through 5 is all about uh, that we are all guilty in our sin uh, from, the, from the Jewish... Um, uh, the, the religious ethnic Jew to the pagan Gentile that we're all guilty under our sin and that we're all justified in one way. We're justified by faith in Christ. Romans 1 through 5 is all about that and that we're all guilty and that there's only one gospel, there's only one way in which any man is saved and that is by faith in Jesus Christ. And so um, if you want a really good read on this uh, Avi Snyder, our friend from Jews of Jesus, was here, and he has written a book um, called uh, Jews Don't Need Jesus, and he then quickly points out, and other misconceptions. <laughs> uh, and so I've, we've got some copies of that and would love to hand that to you. Um, but, but what you see from this text is that Jews and Gentiles are saved one way, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. And so you may ask the question now, well, Lewis, what in the world does this have with, to do with me? And I hope one of the things that you see this morning and one of the things that you're brought into and one of the questions that I want to lay before you is, um, I'm going to make a statement then ask a question. And the statement is this. We are living in the last days. When Jesus ascended into heaven... From there, from there on, we are living in the last days. And so what I would ask you, the question that I would ask you is, what are you doing with your life? I think when we read a text like this, and we see these things going on, where we see that Paul is saying that there will be a full number of Gentiles what I hope that happens in your soul and what stirs in you as we're living in the last days is that you are saying, I want to be a part of that. 
I would hope and pray that this is a motivation for you to be involved in the Great Commission and to be involved in missions. This is a motivation for why as a church we do what we do is because we know that it's our responsibility. We get the privilege and the joy to give our lives to furthering the gospel to Gentile folks, to Gentile folks in Greece, to Gentile folks in Jordan, to Gentile folks in Signal Mountain. So that all peoples, every tongue, every tribe, every nation will give glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. It is also why we uh, support mission organizations like Jews for Jesus. No matter where you come on that spectrum of when will all Jews be saved, what we know by reading Romans is that God has always preserved a remnant. And one of the really cool things that happens is that God allows us to be part of that remnant surviving. Have you ever thought about things that way? That it's through our prayers for Jewish people. It's through our relationships with Jewish people. It's through our testimony. It's through our witnessing. It's through people like Avi going around the world to witness to what he calls his people to try to turn them to Jesus. That God uses that, uses that to preserve a remnant. And so I would ask you this morning, and this is the first major takeaway, and there's one more, but the first major takeaway is this, is how are you spending your time in these last days? If we really believe that we were in the last days, how would we spend our time? The second major takeaway that we get from this passage is, is we are to marvel. We can't come away from reading this passage and looking at this passage and not marvel at the mercy of God. Let's, let's just read uh, the last uh, four or five verses. From the standpoint of the gospel, they, ethnic Jews, are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers, for the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. Think about the mercy of God in this, that you, Gentile believer, that the reason, the reason that you heard the gospel is because ethnic Israel rejected the Messiah and the gospel went to the Gentiles. There's no room for pride in that. There is plenty of room for us to be amazed at the mercy of God that He would love us so undeservingly that the gospel would come to us. And not only that, but we also see here that that's, that's from the Gentile standpoint of the look at the mercy of God for you Gentiles. But also notice he says, if, if you are an ethnic Jew or if you are a Jewish person or person of Jewish descent, but from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What he's saying to the Jewish believers there is he's saying that you need to be amazed at the mercy of God because God is merciful to you because of His promise to the fathers and because His promises and His calling are irrevocable. In other words, in other words, think about, think about 
throughout history, ethnic Israel's relationship with God the Father. Constant rejection that culminated in them rejecting the Messiah. And what Paul tells us here is this. God is going to be and is being merciful towards you because of your fathers and because of his promise and because of his love for you and he's not letting you go. And this is based on mercy. Verse uh, 30. For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now you've been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also have been disobedient in order uh, that because of the mercy shown to you, they may also be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience that He might show mercy to all. And so what God is doing and what God is showing, and this is the second and the last takeaway in this text, is that God is showing us that uh, His plan for salvation history, that a big part of that plan is so that His mercy can be on display. And for those of us in here this morning, I want you to think about this mercy in two ways. The first way I want you to think about it is the big picture which we've covered, and Paul has gone over and over and over again, the big picture of God showing you mercy, you Gentile, a a person who was far off, a person who was not a part of this tree, has been grafted in because of Israel's unbelief that Paul wants your mouth, and what he means there is any uh, tendency for pride in your standing to be shut because Paul is telling its reader from the big picture standpoint, your salvation, your standing is all because of the mercy of God. And I think we need to be amazed by that. And the second thing that I want you to see and understand and to think through this morning is this. And this is not in the text, but this is where my... uh, It is in the text, but it's where you have to go further than what we're going this morning. But what I want you to think about is this. How much time do you spend thinking about your own testimony and the mercy of God on your life? How much time do you spend thinking about your own testimony and the mercy of God in and on your life? the mercy of you getting something that you don't deserve. Brothers and sisters, if you are a believer in Christ, you have been shown mercy that is unfathomable. You've been shown grace and grace beyond measure. And what I love about this text is that the next two movements of this text is about worship. It's about worship. That Paul, as he's talking about the mercy that has been shown to us, he breaks out into a doxology that we will cover later. But he breaks out into a a song, a doxology, a saying that talks about the greatness of God. And then, notice this. As Paul, in in 
And some of you are going to be like, this is great. I can't wait until we get to Romans chapter 12 where we start talking about, um, we start moving faster through the book of Romans because there's bigger sections and we start talking about things we, we do and don't do and that sort of thing. But as, as Paul as Paul is talking about the mercy of God here, and as he's going into application, notice Romans 12, 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the... What's the word? Mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Paul could have used a lot of words there. Paul could have used a lot of words there, and Paul chose, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, therefore based on the mercy of God. So brothers and sisters, the second takeaway for us who are believers is to think about the mercy of God in our lives and let that motivate us to Christian service in joy, with pleasure. Let's pray.